Welcome to the Circle of Salt, the podcast where we use our snark to protect the occult community from itself and others. I'm Rune Emerson, and I am a proud Slytherin. I am Felix Warren, and I am a knight of the Holy Knights of Knee. Oh. Okay, then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I kind of like their other name better. Don't ask me to say it, though. <laughs> I, like, I'm not very good at regurgitating Monty Python, but I am good at referencing it very vaguely. Okay, good. Yay. Vague Python references to the contrary. As a Slytherin, I approve of anything Python. Yes. For so, more information about us, visit circleassaultpodcast.tumblr.com. And? Yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, basically, this has been, um kind of a fun month <laughs> and by fun i mean kind of harrying and crazy that's but an we... interesting adjective to sprinkle on this right uh it's sort of like sprinklers made like sprinkles made out of like arsenic or something but anyways uh we can go ahead and talk a little bit about our day because i think i would like to just kind of forget most of this month so let's how how are you now how are you doing <laughs> uh you know it's been kind of crunchy today but um like I talked to you earlier that I wanted to like share some like cool news. Yeah. Um I found out today that um starting next year uh filming will start on a movie adaptation of Doctor Sleep, which is a Stephen King novel um providing a sequel to The Shining. Oh, that's neat. I didn't know that there was a sequel. Yeah, it came out um, a few years back, and it's actually it's my favorite Stephen King book. I've I've read it several times by now. Um, I keep coming back to it because um, Danny Torrance from the original book is basically kid. yeah he was the the psychic kid um, in The Shining, and um, the book goes a little bit different than the the classic movie. By the way, in case anybody out there doesn't know, um, so you might want to give it a read if you like Stephen King and you haven't read yet, um, but eventually he does grow up and so this shows him in like you know modern day how much however much time passed between the books coming out basically passed in his world um and he gets to guide a young psychic girl through discovering her gift and defending herself from people who would prey on her because she has that gift there's like a lot of theme of like Stephen King doing that, like writing about that, like young girls with psychic abilities who and people preying on them. Yeah, and also like kids with psychic abilities, yeah. and like you know the fact that they they need to be protected or protect themselves. Like yeah, it's very very constant theme, and um, I highly recommend it. Um, actually, the book teaches several really good psychic techniques. Oh, that's terrifying. I don't know if he meant to or not, but, like, I think he sort of did. The caught him. <laughs> anyway, there will be a, a, a movie of it um, in the future. Like, they will start filming next year, and I'm really excited about that, because I really did want a movie of this book, but I didn't know if I would get it. Well, there you go. So, I'm happy. Well, I'm happy for you. And, like, for me right now, like, I'm super excited because they're filming... Um, a new show in England, which I am going to have to find a way to watch somehow, because uh, like, it's being shown in the UK on Sky One, and it's uh, a Discovery of Witches, which is like one of my favorite witchcraft series ever. It's fantastic, um, but also I've been obsessing over various different like you know pop culture and geekomantic sources. Like I'm 
very heavily buried in Mage the Ascension, and we're going to have to talk about that at some time. Um, but I'm also very heavily like buried in things like Marvel's Cloak and Dagger and stuff like that, and you know, and I'm really disappointed that Sense8 is over and all this kind of stuff. So those are the those are the fun part of what's been going on lately. You know, we should like at some point talk this kind of pop culture on like one of our podcasts or something. I agree. I think let's we'll just plan for that for like sometime this summer. Yeah. Okay. Well, and I think that kind of gives us a good intro. I wanted to make sure that like all of our listeners at home were able to kind of touch in and kind of feel where things are at. Things have been a little rough for both of us, and we've been trying really hard to kind of get back into the swing of things, and we're doing what we can. But uh, so we are back on our schedule, of course, and um, which means that you know expect more podcast episodes. Um, So without further ado, it's time for our first installment affectionately called Hekas Hekas Este Bullshit. Today's Dish of Salt is brought to you by both of us, as is often the case, and it is entitled Brave, Smart, Evil, and Miscellaneous. I'll see if anyone gets the joke, and if they don't, too bad for them. <laughs> it's got to be somebody out there that knows Someone the heard this and was like, ah! <laughs> They had and a chuckle. That joke was for you. Um, but anyways, like, specifically, this is about the subject of, like, the whole podcast is going to be focused on the concept of people who are really, um, they really want to know stuff about magic, you know, they're kind of new to it. And, like, newbie isn't necessarily a bad word or anything to that effect, but there are a lot of people who are constantly kind of hounding our inboxes and our Facebook and our Discord and our Skype, and, 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 and. Um, if you're asking questions of this type, e- if you're not a newbie, then you're kind of like an eternal professional newbie, almost. Well, and I kind of, like you said earlier when we were discussing making this podcast, like you mentioned, like, everybody's a newbie at something. Yeah. And, and I agree. I absolutely agree. The problem is not people being new, and I'm just going to I'm going to bring this up. I'm going to just kind of like total this whole dish at the top here first. Um, I am annoyed when people feel like they are entitled to have answers to things just because they want to know. That annoys me. Like it's like paparazzi, you know what I mean? It's like like in the celebrity universe they have paparazzi and in our universe they have thirsty newbies. So it's just very frustrating because I really want to help a lot of the time. But when people approach me with an attitude that I am some sort of a resource that has an obligation to answer to them, they take me for granted. And my initial instinct is like, oh, you want to learn about magic? Here, let me curse you. Then you'll learn. (laughs) You know, and that is not healthy for my blood pressure. Um, so I just, I'm like, I would rather just not. Um, so I guess like check your privilege would be my thing to say here. The ability for you to interact on the internet with people who have been educated in magical practices for a long time and, and competent practitioners that are observably competent, um, is a privilege because when I was growing up, we didn't have this. And as I was becoming an adult and moving into the, my mid-twenties, we were developing this, this website kind of, or not this website, this internet presence kind of a thing in such a fashion that people were able to more readily re- like access us. And um, 
I was a part of that, and I get very frustrated when people forget that it hasn't always existed, and that sometimes the only way for you to get an answer to a question is to go read the damn book yourself. Or to go find the author and ask. Which is, um, it used to be a lot easier, actually. Like, in the old days, they, like pagan authors were far more comfortable with the idea of you writing them a letter or sending them an email after you know snail mail become became out of vogue um and some of them would even invite you to come visit them at their house like i remember in the early 2000s um going to PantheaCon, the big pagan convention out here on the west coast and uh meeting a bunch of like authors and uh being able to like talk with them for hours and hours at these events and then later being invited to their house in like berkeley or la or something you know out into the middle of california and like making a freaking four to five hour trip one day to go and sit and talk to them um that was literally how i learned a lot of things i went and i hung out with people and i took a whole weekend and me and my my future husband who is my present husband at the moment one of three um would go and like stay the night in that town and like find someone who we could hang out with and sleep with like at their house and you know it was just like an adventure it was a lot of involvement and I get very frustrated because nowadays people get that same information without the experience and so they think that they have just a right to it because my website is only a click away you know it's very frustrating like they don't they seem to forget the human part of human resource and they it's it's annoying what about you what do you think i it's really really frustrating um because i remember when i was first trying to learn things and it was so hard for me to find people to ask things and then whenever i would find those people they'd be very very difficult to interface with and so i would end up like kind of turning away and then on my own um and like we know that like you don't you don't learn magic completely on your own alone no um, that doesn't but happen <laughs> what i did is i learned my like you know magic with demons um <laughs> right <laughs> and like you know a very very few amount of people that i would manage to like contact and actually talk with but like it was just so hard for me to find anybody to ask anything and so now now that like you know uh, there's like a lot that i could actually tell people who are you know like just coming up and and figuring out stuff um it's it's so hard for me to be accessible to them to uh to answer questions at the rate that they want which is relentlessly right like they and don't it's 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 honestly like it it's intimidating well and it's you know it's interesting you should say intimidating because i don't necessarily find it intimidating so much as i find it frustrating like there are a lot of answers i could give people on the subject the problem is many of the answers that i could give them won't make any sense to them and we're going to get into that a little bit as part of the podcast yeah that is a shame like there's like you're going to learn so much about like how you learn um <laughs> like I but do. um there's a frustration that i feel just because i know why people who are new are are frustrated but sure. like i also know that they're going to continue to be frustrated for a long time and that's part of learning in this path I feel actually like frustration can be avoided if you understand some basic things about magic early on, and that's one of the best reasons to have 
people who can help teach you and guide you. Um, and unfortunately, like the way that we've been experiencing it lately has been people teaching when they don't actually know, thinking that the knowledge is more important than the wisdom. And, uh, you know, I kind of object to that a lot. I really... Okay, I want to take just a moment and... I. I I can't just call people who are new at things out. No, I get definitely. frustrated with other teachers who are just kind of like packaging up some sort of formula and reselling it and making it seem like that is magic. Uh, I can definitely agree with that. I, I, it, it, like, I, I see that happening, and then I have to talk to people who are asking me, like, is that something I should go get? Is that real? And it's like, and then have to be able to explain, like, kind of how this landscape is. Well, and then frustratingly enough, like, sometimes we don't know the answer because that's not how we came to our wisdom. You know, we've yeah, got our it, own stuff going on. And, like, I have a number of friends who are teachers in the community. Um, they, you know, uh, like, I'm, I'm good friends with uh, Christopher Penzak and several of the members of his Temple of Witchcraft. And when people ask me, is this someone that I should go talk to? They have classes. Some of them are kind of online. Can I take those and learn? I'm over here kind of going, you know, I never took those classes, so I don't know. I can tell you what I know about him. Will that help you? And a lot of them kind of are like, no, I want an, a definitive answer. And that... It's you know, so it hard to tell you what's going to be good for you. Exactly. So I don't know. Like, I don't know. Um, I can at least, like, you know, you could say, well, Christopher Penzak, he doesn't just sell used cars. Right. Well, and I, could, I can easily say something like, well, Christopher came from the Cabot tradition, and so if you know anything about Laurie Cabot, then you'll know a few things about Christopher, and then you have to understand Christopher and read his books a little bit, and then you have to understand a little bit about 90s and early 2000s witchcraft, and recognize that there are a few things that we just don't pay attention to. Um, I would get asked very often, like, does this course have everything that it is that I need to know? Like, right. because they'd find, like, some sort of course that claimed to be one of those? Right. Well, and I will tell everybody flat out, the only course that I recommend as being the perfect foundation for getting started in the practice of witchcraft is the one associated with my tradition. And that is because I am justifiably prejudiced in that direction. So... It's not I mean, that is the be... thing, is that if you ask a teacher what is their preferred course, it's usually going to be the course that they teach. Right. And I'm good. Like, you can't ask that. And then people are like, well, do you teach it? Uh, actually, no. My students teach it because I kind of aged out of doing that and am now doing the advanced courses. Um, and that's... Anyway, so it gets very frustrating to the newbies, and I know that it drives them nuts. I know it drives people who are seeking information nuts to have this runaround. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this. I wanted to, like, do this podcast. I oh, feel yeah. like a lot of times we end up talking about these kinds of issues. Um, and, you know, you and I were discussing this earlier, too. Um, when we say newbie, here's the thing. In the occult community, the term newbie is a slang term that people use not for people who don't know anything. Yeah, they're all going to say that's what it's about. But literally what they're talking about is everybody the advice that they give newbies is advice everybody should know but we're not allowed to police each other and so we make sure that the things that we say are 
capable of being directed well so that like the other people listening who have been practicing a while can be like well that doesn't apply to me yeah it it probably does actually I once saw a thread on Tumblr of, like, hilarious newbie mistakes or something. It was like, you know, mistakes newbies always make. And then every single reply to the list was someone saying, I'm a pro and I make these mistakes, haha. Right. Um, and so I was finally like, okay, so this isn't a list of newbie mistakes. This is a list of everybody's mistakes. And you're just kind of saying it's newbie mistakes because well fill in the blank right it's like um okay so i maintain a position of humor over my own mistakes and my own craft at all times um i tend to maintain that position because i know that when i make a dumb mistake i am not like i'm not making it in a vacuum like the the spirits i work with the people that i coven with the the various members of the community i do ritual with they came to that same place and if i make a mistake i didn't make it in a vacuum they were also involved and they like if i say something wrong a lot of times it's like there was a misprint in the paper or nobody coached me ahead of time or if i trip over a candle or something well it was on the floor you know like nobody makes a mistake by themselves nothing in the occult community is about being by yourself it's just that people who are seeking information are in such a rush to get the information they need so that they can move on to the next thing that they want because in reality the thing that they want to do is learn a whole bunch of things without changing and that's not going to happen and we're going to actually talk about that more when we get into the discourse section um but I guess to tie to total up my frustration with the the constant line of inquiry i want questions i want people to ask questions but there are a number of presumptuous ways that people ask questions that make me not want to answer them and so i won't answer them or if i do it will not be in a nice way and I have to be careful because I'm trying to be a good person and not be a douchebag. But it's hard to do when the people that are asking me questions are being douchebags. So this is like this whole podcast is supposed to be about us addressing potential douchebaggery and avoiding it. Yeah, I personally like it's hard to know whether an author is actually in a uh a present state where they're open to just answering any question like it's true you, you can read a For book anybody, that they really. yeah like you can read a, a book that they wrote in 2012 or you can you know, read a blog post that somebody wrote four months ago but when you send a message to them now are they going to be in a state where they can even answer your question and right. if if you're sending the, the message to me the answer is probably no <laughs> <laughs> i'm pretty consistent um i my answers tend to follow the same kinds of trends and patterns. They don't necessarily stay exactly the same, but they do move according to like predictable deep tides. So certain times of the year, I'm going to be more frenetic and wild in my answers, whereas other times of the year, I'm going to be more contemplative, whereas others, I might be more angry versus other times I might be more like kind of perky and kind. And it's usually pretty easy to figure out which direction I'm going as far as that goes. Um, and I try to make sure that my my perspective and my opinions and my mood are very clearly marked when I answer. 
but the thing is even then there are certain answers there are certain like i have certain blog posts in my actual grimoire tab which means i thought it was important enough that i saved it so people could read it later in case they needed it um mm-hmm. i have certain things that i've posted in there that i look at those and i kind of go you know i don't really agree with that anymore um my perspective oh, has I changed feel this. you know my perspective has changed my my understanding has changed there are like i'm looking right now at my book i mean i only published that a little while ago and going you know i could have added this thing or you know i didn't have to say it that way i could have said it this way and it might have been easier to understand like i don't think any of the things that i wrote were bad um i'm still very in love with my book um I, I do but, this with my art too, though. Even after it's done, I look yeah. at it and I go, "Hey, you know, if I only had done like I had nudged that to the right a little bit or something." Right. Well, and I think that that's a big part of art, and magic definitely is an art. I mean, as much as it has elements of science and philosophy in it, magic also has the art. That's why it's called the art magical. Um, it's why it's called occult philosophy, and why it's called like science metaphysical. You know, like and art's going to be something that you care about. Yeah, and it's going to be something that you are constantly fiddling with personally because there is a, a vision inside of you that wants to come out. So anyway, um, do you think we need to move on? or I think I think that we've kind of reached a point where, where the salt has sort of ground out. Yes, I agree. So, and like I, I really do want to reiterate to people who are listening to this podcast who think they are being addressed whenever we say newbie. Um I am currently a newbie right now in several regards to several things I'm trying out right now. So yep. I'm right there with you. Same. Um, I actually, um, I have trouble asking questions um, and I'm a bit shy. So, you know, you're among friends. <laughs> and I do not have trouble asking questions. I have trouble slowing down. Um, so you're in good company if you're one of those relentless people. It's just that you have to have respect and that's kind of going to be the next part of this. So why don't I just go ahead and talk about that? Um, yep, we are there. We have crossed yes. the bridge. Yes. Oh, oh, wait, wait. I needed to say, I am not the Hogwarts Express. Get off my caboose. <laughs> and that's kind of our total up on that one. Like, come on, guys. You know, we're not, we're not trying to tell you no. We won't answer your question. We're trying to tell you... Sometimes when we tell you no, there are reasons. And sometimes when we tell you no, you're the reason. So just check yourself and recognize nobody in this world owes you an answer for anything because all information that you want can be acquired without asking someone to answer you. Truth is self-validating and self-evident. Yeah, I like sulked off from the community for a while and then demons taught me magic. That worked. Right. So don't rely too much on people to answer your questions for lots of reasons but when you do respect is necessary and i have a couple of things for that so and we're and so we're going to jump forward into the discourse section um aka echo chamber azarak where we talk about things that are totally true and totally interesting and we're right and other people are wrong which is always the case um (laughs) fair and balanced fair and balanced totally unbiased clearly um today's discourse is entitled this way first years this way and it's just sort of a tongue-in-cheek literally just think of this as some good input that you can use when asking questions to people about the subjects that interest you 
in the occult community. And um, just kind of entering the community in general. Yeah, like, this is mostly for people who are trying to enter an area of the community that they have not actually been in. They don't have the in ticket. So this is... The, the kind of people this doesn't apply to are if you have long been a member of some circle of the community, obviously this is not going to apply to you about that circle of the community, but it might apply to you about other areas of the community. For example, a, like a voodoo-sant does not necessarily understand everything about Ozark's magic or um, Taoist sorcery. So... In those regions, Mr. Voodoo-sant is being told, don't assume that you know everything just because you know something. Um, you're a newbie in other areas. All right, so basically this is just some tips from us to beginners of any kind on how to engage and interact with magic and learn it. Like how to get yourself going in a particular subject that you are unfamiliar with. How to start. Yes. People ask us all the time how to start. They do. They ask us all kinds of questions on that particular path, and I will address some of these. So, the first thing that I want to tell you, um, I actually have three tips that I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you what they are first, and then I'm going to go through each one of them. So, the first tip is respect the mysteries. The second tip is respect all of reality and not just your corner of it. And the third is respect consequences. So, the first, respect the mysteries. All right, here's the deal about all magic. This is something you need to understand. Magic cannot be explained. It's experiential. If you have not experienced the mystery, then you will not understand the explanation. You can only understand it by experiencing it and then learning from that. That is the only way. There is nothing in the occult community, there is nothing that a book or a person or whatever can explain to you or tell you or teach you that can do anything but start you down the path of understanding a mystery. That's it. As a teacher who routinely interacts with people on the subject of various different mysteries and holds their hand down a whole lot of that path and kind of guides them and points them in good directions. I know that my job is fairly functionary. All I can do is point, direct, give some advice, and then step back and let them do the rest. And you know what? It goes the exact same for a spiritual guide. Yes. Any kind of spirit, any kind of astral whatsoever, like, they can... They can guide you, they can give you wisdom or whatever, but like they can they can direct, but you still have to take that journey. You still have to do the work. Exactly. You have to experience things and that and experiencing those things will change you. You need to be ready for that. Now, here's the other thing about that. Um, one of the things that I have mentioned before, I'm pretty sure on podcasts before, um, I have a major problem with people who are overly attached to academia in the craft. Like, it bugs me when people uh, think that just because we have records of certain kinds of magical practices in the ancient Canaanite traditions, in, you know, ancient Celtic traditions, in um, ancient Yoruban practices, that this is the way they used to do, 
it bugs me when people think because they used to do it that way we understand why we've already understood why we've explained why from our british Im colonial imperial influenced kind of mindset um we have an idea of how all this stuff is working even though we've never lived in that area it bugs me when people take history and use it as justification for what real magic is about because here's the thing history books were not written by witches by sorcerers grimoires were written by sorcerers witches didn't write anything until probably about the 16th century um so there you go like witchcraft was not written about until the 16th century and then they were doing their best not to explain that it was witchcraft we didn't actually get any records about witchcraft until the 19th century um so it's just dumb i, I might be off on those but i'm pretty sure i'm pretty solid on them so if anybody wants to argue with me please feel free to send that in but anyways the point is <laughs> we didn't write the history books historians wrote the history books and most of them didn't understand a goddamn thing of what we were experiencing back then all they understood was what they could see occult means hidden a lot of things are hidden from the eyes of others in the occult community and not because we want to play secret squirrel games yes in some cases people wanted to play political games and control power but a lot of times the reason why they chose this method is because it was easy to do because it's very hard to explain anything in magic to anyone who's not already experienced it so yeah you can game the system but there's plenty of genuine systems exactly and that's the problem so here's the thing sometimes we can't answer your question because we can't the only thing we can do is give you a clue, give you some guidance, and let you go on your way. And if you don't get there, then you don't get there. Those of us who have been practicing magic for a long time, the really competent ones learn to respect the mysteries. And, you know, there's um, there's a way for people to experience stuff, like, through gathering materials. Like, if you're, if you're on a search, like... When people get to me and they like ask me stuff, like I kind of like I want them to already be searching and like if you're on a search for whatever it is that you're looking for and that's kind of the deal. That's why you're doing this. <laughs> um, you can get materials that will actually take you on an experience. Yes. And will teach you through that. And so any kind of artistic materials will have some sort of experience in them that is a mystery. Right. Um, like you know tell somebody that there's only one explanation for a painting right that's um, the whole and, point of you it know. like the the whole point of art is you have a vision inside of you you have this mystery that wants to express itself and you do something to make that happen and then it causes other people to ask questions and it pulls them into the mystery that's I mean, the looking at it. art is one of the few ways to get a person to think exactly so I agree I absolutely agree Felix um, and also like listening to music that's taking you on a journey on an experience there's there's movies like basically experiencing art and also being around other people or around nature those are experiences um you're taking an actual journey you're allowing something to happen to you um those aren't data laden things that you can brag about to the occult book club forum <laughs> but they will teach you a lot <laughs> right well, and this is the other reason why I don't like academia as the model for the occult community, because academia is uh, overly elitist and impressed with itself for no good reason. There's a reason why it's hard for me to 
recommend books to people. Yeah. I can't think of them off the top of my head because I don't use them a whole lot compared to, like, that tree down there. (laughs) Right. Well, and once you've got your own understanding of how magic works, you stop trying to, like, figure things out and just go and experience things. Like, I, I love to read. But mostly I read for recreation now, even when it's nonfiction. Um, I love books and I collect books so that I'll have the reference on hand. Right. In case you need something, then that's the other reason to go research. In case you come across something and you're like, oh, wait, um, I've got a thing. Hold on. Let me. Uh, I, I like being able to compete at, at like a middling level on the occultist bookshelf, like, you know. Okay, but contest. That, some of that is snobbery, and you and I both have snobbery problems. Yeah, so. I'm like, I like, and I'm fine admitting to that. You know, that <laughs> like, I have a whole bunch of occult books. Like, yeah, sure, that's ostentatious. <laughs> I've got a lovely <laughs> bunch of occult books. DVD. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, so the second thing that I want to bring up is respect all of reality and not just your corner of it. This is like really important. Where do you think the first magician started learning? No, this is not me suggesting that you be like the first magicians and start learning from ground zero like we don't have a whole lot of human knowledge ahead of us. But the thing is, the first magicians learned from in th- from the world, from their environment, and experimenting with their environment. Every new spell, every new form of magic that we discover, we discover it because we've experimented with what's already there. That is really important. Magic is objectively real. It is a part of reality. Go take a look at reality if you have a question about it and observe it. See what happens. Don't think that magic is A, human-centric. It is not. There are a lot of things that live in this universe and we are only a tiny fraction of them. There is magic all over the place and a lot of it has nothing to do with us. So it's not human-centric, and it doesn't require a gatekeeper. There are a lot of gatekeepers in the community. There are a lot of people who are like, well, I don't want to let you in on this particular kind of understanding because you should never know that because I don't trust you. Well, guess what? They don't get to be in charge of that. They learned it probably the same way that you're about to, which means that you should turn around, go find something that will teach you, and learn from it. Um, the, the reality of magic is it is here. It is present in the world. It is a part of how things are, which means that if there is a question you have, the answer is already out there. You don't need someone to spoon feed it to you. So a lot of times I won't answer a question because there's no need to answer that question. You can get the answer on your own. What about you, Felix? Do you, how do you feel? Um, Rune? Hmm. I zoned out for a second. I'm really sorry. That's okay. Do we want to? Do we want to edit this part? The first, yes, I will edit this part. Okay. Actually, or actually, the audience could know that I just the first step is admitting you have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'll own up to this. <laughs> well, it has been a very like taxing kind of you know month and a half. So uh, there you are. Yeah. No. I. Oh uh, gosh. Okay. Give me the last couple of of sentences you had. I'm a few bars so you can fake it. Okay. Yeah, uh, because I I was like I trailed off at the very end. I and it was because of the rough day. <laughs> okay. Well, basically I'm just talking about respecting all of reality. Magic is already present in the world, which means if you want to learn something, it already exists. You can learn it. You don't need someone to spoon-feed it to you. 
yes, this stuff is already there. Um, yes, and, and what's cool is you can find stuff that nobody else found yet. Yeah, because they didn't bother to look, or maybe they weren't next to that rock when you lifted it up and looked underneath it. Yeah, and I mean, as somebody who has done that, I will say it's something that you can do. It's very exciting to do and very fun. However, I encourage you to learn about as many other systems as possible because all of reality is also all of those other people who also have their realities. And Um, yeah, those consistently persistent and durable systems. Yeah, those systems are are durable for a reason. Some of them are a lot of people putting their fingers in their ears and trying to pretend the world into the way that they want. Yes, we are very good at that. You'll know those ones because those are the ones that heavily rely upon words like belief or faith or conviction. And no, reality doesn't require you to believe in it. And it's not like that's like an entire religion. It's more like the, the bits of things where like belief and faith is like, you know, heavily influenced. That's where belief and faith. Right. That's where it is. But there's going to be other parts of, like, you know, various religions, doesn't really matter which one, that are, like, a little bit more bedrock and a little bit more eldritch-sounding. Right. And talk about blood a lot. Blood? Edgelords. Anyways. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, like, reality is reality. And if you're like, well, I don't know which one to believe, good. Don't believe any of them. Try them out instead. And, like, there's, a, there's this concept called religious literacy. Um, and it's something I learned a few years back, and I had it was something I was already practicing, but I liked having words to put to it. It's simply understanding the religions of others so that whenever they're talking about their religion, you understand them and you can have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, you will learn so much if you're able to talk to other people and they're able to talk to you about what it is that they do. Um, sometimes that's just simply being a good listener. Right. Well, and that's like... Like I was saying earlier, some questions I don't answer because the answer is already there and I don't have to answer it. You can get it just by doing some experimentation. But on top of that, though, there are a lot of people who won't be able to see that answer is present because they're too busy believing stuff. And on well, you, you're going to speak your answer in Nocturne. That's true. In my, and I, in my like, I agree with that. I, right. I think Nocturne's awesome. Of course. Um, it's the best tradition ever. Right. But like... <laughs> there are people who don't speak nocturne yet and sure. and there are also some people who may think that for some reason it's bad that you're speaking nocturne yeah plenty of them are wrong absolutely <laughs> <laughs> i like how you clearly say that yeah. remember this is all stuff that we're right and everyone else is wrong so just so we're clear that that's the the true thing that is true um, <laughs> in the ministry of truth anyways um the the point is though like reality confirms itself so there are a lot of questions you don't have to have an answer given to you you can find them on your own um but also learning how to talk to people and how to ask the right questions is important just recognize that not all of your opinions and perspectives are correct and that actually moves into the next kind of thing as well the next point which is respect and also, consequences not all of their opinions and answers will be correct. That is absolutely true. Not all of the things that other people aside from me say are are correct all the time. You do not have to take everything whole cloth. You can simply take that and put it away and examine it later. Unless it's from me, and then you have to believe me in all things. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to, but it is all true. Right. <laughs> it's all true and all right. And the same thing goes with Felix. Everything that he says is correct. <laughs> Anyways, 
So, our obvious sarcasm aside. Each um, one of you owes me $50. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> Twas established in days of old, in accordance with the prophecy. Um, anyways. That's how you use the voice. <laughs> anyways. The third thing is respect consequences. Um, all right. Actions have consequences. Choices have consequences. The things we believe, the things that we feel, the things that we think are our understanding of the world, the truth that we have experienced has already affected us, and now we are going to assert that truth in a weird way. But that is not the only truth that's out there. Um, You don't know when you're wrong and they're right. And you don't know when they're wrong and you're right. And you don't know when both of you are wrong. And you don't know when both of you are right and therefore wrong because you're arguing. There's, like, the only way you'll know is through experience. So, I heartily encourage everyone, begin all inquiries or challenges to authority with a position of respect, even if you are challenging them. Because one day you're going to be in that position and those challenges are going to come for you and you need to learn from the experience you had when you were their age when you know we had to learn from when we were your age we had to learn and age is like just in development not necessarily literal like years but um when we were at in your position we learned from our mistakes probably in a way that i hope you never have to um we said stupid things to people who deserved better from us. We were um, haughty and arrogant and walked into a, you know, a trap or walked off a cliff because we were so up our own asses that we thought that it smelled like daisies. Um, we, we didn't know, and we weren't willing to learn. We weren't willing to find out. And consequently, there are a number of regrets that we possess that have to do with that. So I encourage you, when you are communicating with someone who is an authority on a subject, not necessarily authority over you, authority about that subject, when you are inquiring about something or challenging someone on that particular subject, be respectful. That doesn't mean put up with bullshit if they treat you badly. Respectful only goes so far. Just avoid two things that are dangers to magicians. One is hubris, the other is hypocrisy. Hubris is overweening pride, the inability to see that you are about to destroy yourself because you're so obsessed with your eye on the prize, your belief in your strength, your, your belief in your own hype, or whatever, that you forget that there are a lot of other things in this world. And hypocrisy is not practicing what you preach. Hypocrisy is saying one thing to other people and saying these are the rules and then thinking that you're above those rules. They are very connected, just so you know, hubris and hypocrisy. Avoid them like the plague because they will create bad obstacles for you, bad consequences. You will end up in situations where you are literally unable to move forward, literally unable to cope, literally unable to act because you have trapped yourself with your own beliefs. When you believe your own hype more than you pay attention to the world, you get fucked over. So I'm going to encourage you to avoid that entirely. There are always consequences, even if you can't see where they will be. So that's my advice on that one. What do you got? You know, and it's so important to realize you don't have to have hype. 
You know, I agree too that fake it till you make it garbage always drives me crazy, but I know that there are a lot of people who do it. Like, I just, you don't actually have to have hype because, like, if you just do what it is that you do, you focus and you get an expertise, whatever, um, like, you will get a reputation. Mm hmm. If you, if especially if you help people, like and like you know, to, to do kind of watch yourself and make sure you don't that that you don't get used or anything. But if you're like you, you've got a reputation as like a helpful person, and you're known for something, like you don't need to have a hype. Well, you know what I, I I'm I'm kind of I'm leery of that particular position because I don't like to base my decisions on whether or not they're going to help other people. I like to base them on whether or not they are based on on reality. I well, mean, I mean that's just like one example. I'm not saying like that's the only thing you have to do. No, but just people like... do develop a reputation for being helpful. And but the problem with that is a lot of people go out of their way to develop a reputation of being helpful because they're insecure. And, uh, you know, they use the desire to help other people as a method of shoring up their own personality and their, their sense of self-esteem. And I'm over here going, look, if you can help people, great. I personally think morally that's a good thing to do. You're going to have to sort that shit out for yourself. Moral, morality happens to be one of the great mysteries in this world. But, well, and that's why I said, like, don't get used because... Yeah. Like, figuring out, like, your own system of how you square with the world, what, like, you know, how you're helping, like, I don't... I don't just do stuff for free. Right. Um, well, and I, I, yeah. I go out of my way to do much the same thing. But, like, one of the things that I practice as, as part of my, my, my approach to the world, and this is, like, linked to my tradition and my paradigm and everything, but not necessarily, uh, like, it's, it's not necessarily fundamental for everyone who practices that way. It's just, this is my own, like, kind of motto, is to acknowledge... I am going to be changed by the things I am doing. I am going to be responsible for what I choose and then the outcomes that happen, even if I didn't predict them, I'm still going to be responsible for them because I'm making choices. And it's good that that is the case. That is true. It is good that that is the case. It is good for everyone to apologize to someone, to be humbled by their environment. It is good. It is not fun to have a belief on how the world's supposed to work and have the whole world shake you down and break you so that you, you feel like it'll never happen again. No, it's very hard. But it is good for you to be in touch with reality because those, those the like, reality is where you find the building blocks to build the things you want. So it's important for you to acknowledge that there are consequences for your actions and not be afraid of that. That's one of the reasons why most of the, the paradigms of magic out there have a philosophy that involves courage. This is not a study for those who are cowardly, weak of will, um, prone towards indulgence or stupidity, and those who prefer to indulge their own paranoia. There's a lot of introspection and self-observance in every part of magic. There's also a lot of paying attention to the rest of the world. See what is really there. Which is why I say respect all of reality. Um, but anyways, when you're asking a question to someone, respect that the way you approach them may have consequences in addition to the fact that you approach them at all. If you... Uh, let me give an example. Um, I approached a man years ago 
who was involved in the various traditional craft circles that I was walking around in about my initiator and teacher who had passed on some lineage to me that was proven to be spurious. I was therefore trying to figure out who really did initiate her and where she got her information because she had an awful lot of information that was not like common knowledge. And so I was trying to find my teacher. I went to this guy and I, he had mentioned uh, like a, br a branch of English craft and some of the things that had been stated in that that were like public knowledge, I guess, or like public enough that people could discuss it, um, sounded similar to things that she had taught me. And so I asked about them and I said, hey, my teacher gave me a lineage that is garbage. It has celebrities in it rather than actual people and they're not all connected to each other. So it's clearly rubbish. I'm trying to find out where she really came from. Are you familiar with her name? And he answered me very straightforwardly and did a little research for me and said, no, it doesn't look like it. And I was like, well, damn, I don't know then. And so fast forward two, I want to say two to maybe three years. And that same man posted another article that also struck a bell with me. But I didn't remember that I had approached him and asked him the pre previous time. So I wrote him back and gave him the exact same story, because it's the same story, I asked him the exact same question and said, and now I'm seeing that this person is a name and blah, 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 and it was on the list. I don't know if there's any chance that I'm connected to this teacher. Is this something that you could examine for me? And he got mad at me and shut me out and refused to talk to me further. I offended him. There are consequences for my choices because I wasn't smart enough to keep documentation and pay attention to who I was talking to and recognize I've already asked this guy. We already have a relationship. If I treat him like he's just some sort of resource and badger him about something and feed him the exact same story, he's going to think I'm some sort of like the, the track craft equivalent of a Nigerian prince. You know, I want to tell not really an occult story it's just a story about something that happened whenever i ordered something on etsy mm -hmm. but it is very demonstrative of something you just should not do okay so i was i bought something on etsy and the guy sent me a message asking if i wanted to buy like more of that item for a discount and and I messaged back on Etsy, which has a messaging system. It does. Sure. And he's like, um, could you give me your phone number? And the thing is, you can use PayPal to invoice a phone number. Okay. Like a cell phone number. And so that is a normal thing to ask uh, on Etsy. Okay. But instead of that happening, what happens is that he tries to call me. Whoa. And I, like, I don't answer no, um, I mean this is the 21st century. Yeah, so I hang up on him and then like I or rather I just like you know reject the call and I text him saying I don't take calls. Um what's up? <laughs> right. And then he tried he basically had this conversation with me over text over like the items and all. And I was like, "Well, this is really weird, but I'm not going to I'm not going to over text take him to task over the fact that Etsy has a messaging system. I'm just going to like get this done with and then never order from this from this a guy again right a month later i get a text from him out of nowhere asking if i want to order more of the thing see that's uh and so that kind of behavior the presumptuous behavior yeah like i i have a, a number blocking app so i just used that yeah. um well and you know but 
it's like that's ridiculous it is ridiculous and the thing is people are ridiculous we make mistakes but if we apologize for them it's usually easier to fix things um i know there are going to be a lot of people out there who are going to be like well wait a minute i have a mental illness that causes me to and then insert the reason why they will do this sort of thing i'm going to go ahead and say something to you right now being mentally ill having neurodivergence does not excuse a person from doing things that are not good it does not excuse a person from not learning how to deal with certain circumstances it makes it harder and yeah that really sucks and it's better when you have friends around you who understand how you are and they're comfortable with you but you cannot expect that of everyone and likewise in the occult community if you have a desire to know something just because someone knows it does not mean they're going to excuse all of your poor behavior so just it, it beware. is really difficult dealing with mental illness in the occult community i like yeah well it's difficult i mean dealing with i it on record in this podcast like basically had an episode and you know we decided to keep it in sure <laughs> we're just gonna keep it in um but yeah. the thing is like i like we've you and i have both made statements of the fact that neither of us is entirely like um like neurotypical so (laughs) yeah that's not a thing (laughs) um so like we understand it's just we also understand that this is a world where everybody has to live and not just us yeah like you have to find a way to manage and sometimes like i've had to manage by being the hermit card for a while right and that's a perfectly okay thing to do is just know whenever it's time to not be with the community which honestly there's a lot of times to not be with the community right there are a lot of times when people are up to stuff that doesn't involve you just stay i just say stay in my lane um like but that's the thing some questions i will not answer because i can't answer them some questions i will not answer because i don't have to answer them and some questions I will not answer because I don't want to answer them because the way they were asked was not something that I want to deal with. Literally, there are some questions that when you ask them, the amount of information I would have to convey to you in order to make sure that you understood the answer properly is so much that it overwhelms my mind to even think about talking to you. And that's like, like that's just a thing. There are a lot of questions that people ask that they are not themselves capable of understanding the answer to. I learned this when I was taking uh, astrology classes with my husband. He is a like a master astrologer. He's a freaking brilliant man, but he had a whole lot of information to impart in a in a very short amount of time. It was just like a year, and um, I kept jumping the gun and asking questions, trying to understand something using my logic leap i was just trying to intuit answers and understandings and get a better grasp on the subject and there were times when he would look at me and be like that lesson is three weeks from now you are not ready to understand and so finally he answered one of my questions he was like you know what fine let me tell you and then he rattled off a bunch of information that i it completely just zonked me out for the rest of the lesson i was like i have no idea what's even happening anymore he's like i told you some information you're not going to be able to understand uh-huh some you know so like some some people will ask me a question and i won't want to answer because they're dumbasses and they're rude other people will ask me a question and i will be like i literally cannot answer that question without charging you money for lessons and i'm not teaching them 
And then another one will be like, I can't answer that question to you because I don't understand the answer myself. I only know what I know, and any information I give you might get you into more trouble than, it's, than it would help you with. So I'm just going to not answer. What I really want to say is, I don't know your special thing. Right. <laughs> Unless you're a nocturne. And there you go. And that's a different thing but, entirely. But if you're not a nocturne, I don't know your special thing. Right. Don't ask me if I know your special secret thing that only you know. Like, I, I don't know that for you. You have to, to, to go find that out. You know, the saddest thing about that is that is the most common question that we get. The whole thing of, well, what's my special talent? Or, like, how I haven't found an element that applies to me. What do I do? And I'm kind of over here going, then don't work with them. Not everybody works with elemental magic. But then they're like, but it, everybody has to. It's a part of it. I'm like over here going, you can study this 20 years from now when you actually give a shit. You are connected to the fairies. Go talk to them. You, I don't know what you're connected to. I don't know if you're connected to anything yet. Keep doing what you're doing and answers will come because I am not in charge of them you are the fact that you are seeking means that things are going to happen to you so just keep going um, i mean i've been doing this for like years and years and i still don't have an element i think that your element is hell element it's a element <laughs> that's the thing though is i don't have like a like you know whenever you pick one of the captain planet elements i don't have one of those my element is captain planet because he was hot the the closest uh, <laughs> the closest I get is is hope you know if we were gonna get like you know homestuck elements Homestucky. but yeah, yeah like you're not gonna have like every single thing on the checklist there's no checklist it's very sad I know this is very frustrating to all of you but like not all magical practices and not all people who practice magic operate with the exact same symbol set like you're gonna go to Japan. And they're going to work with a similar version of the five elements from Taoism as the Wuxing, but it's not going to be entirely identical because it's not even entirely identical in different regions of China, much less Japan or Korea. You know, well, and you can you can look at one of these correspondence tables that somebody tries to set up for everything. Like you know, you've got Crowley seven 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 tables. Ugh. It's hundreds of pages worth of correspondence tables, and if you try to read them all the way across, it's it's freaking ridiculous. They're so annoying. And you know what they? You know, the only thing that they say to me is, "I want a world where everything is connected to everything in a way that is perfectly sensible to me and my British colonial mind." Well, it was specifically made for, like, his tradition. It wasn't yeah. like it was made for, like, us to use. Oh. But people will refer to this as, like, kind of a, a gospel, as it were. Okay, but um, to be fair, like, the people of the OTO really did in, envision everything that Crowley's magical tradition was about to be the end-all and be-all of magic. Like, I have yet to run into a Thelemite who doesn't feel that Crowley had it better than anyone else. Even. I just, like, it's hard for me to find any magic tradition that doesn't say that, though. Right, because clearly my tradition is better than his. <laughs> Anyways, okay. I have no real beef with Crowley. I just, like, have, like, kind of a an eyebrow raise at him. But, like, I read the... I, I, I refer to these correspondences sometimes to see, like, somebody asks about something by the book. See... And so you go by the book, and the book can be ridiculous. Knowing you makes it easier for me to like Crowley, or at least be less irritated with him. I still hate his tarot <laughs> deck, though. Still hate his tarot deck. Think it's gross. Everybody's like, Lady Frida Harris did a really good job. I'm like, these are ugly. <laughs> I, it's I, not actually my favorite 
art. It's just that there's stuff about it I really appreciate it. Right, and like a lot of people say that to me. A lot of people have a lot of reasons why they like it. I still think it's ugly. But anyways, yeah. um, speaking I, I of... I wouldn't fight you on it. <laughs> speaking of tarot, though, I think that that is a good like segue for us to start moving into our... Oh, you found a segue for us to hop onto. Exactly, into our divination and consultation segment, a.k.a. Celtic Crosshairs, where we show off how awesome we are by answering questions from our many, many fans. Um, actually, not that many questions this time. Uh, so I hope you guys still love us. But um, first, Felix has some We've info We've been for really you. quiet. We have and, been quiet. Um, yeah. We have been very quiet. Um, but, you know, we're working on it. Um, first, though, Felix has some info for you. So just sit back and enjoy the ride. Hey, um, mentioned earlier, you can go to circleofsaltpodcast.tumblr.com to um, check out what's going on with the podcast, uh, to see updates, to um, find answers to questions that we've posted there. Because sometimes we answer questions on the blog instead of answering them on the podcast. Right. Um, yeah, send us questions. And yeah, so if you go there and you go to circlesalkpodcast.tumblr.com slash ask, then you can go ask us questions and you can get your question answered here on this lovely segment. Or we can tell you, hey, that particular question is not one we're going to be able to answer on the blog or on the podcast. Um, maybe you would want to get with one of us and ask it privately. Yeah, if you ask us a question that basically qualifies for one of our professional readings, then you're going to get referred to our services. Right, which you have to pay like, for. Yeah, a if lot. you're asking like, uh, what 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 is the life purpose that my deity is trying to convey to me, um, then plastic. There's a reading for that. Asshole. <laughs> <laughs> what? I hope everybody here knows that comedian, um, because otherwise I just sounded like a dick. <laughs> I figured it was a reference. It sounded. It had the the voice of a reference. Yes, it was a reference. I will let people do the research, though, because some questions I don't have to answer because the information is out there. <laughs> okay, so are we pretty good with our announcements then? Yes, we don't like really have announcements. I guess um, we seem to be back on track when it comes to the podcast. Um, I only have one more episode in the queue, and it's because it's like it's on a piece of hardware that we recorded um off of the usual thing that we use mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh i have to like hack skynet to get it in i it's not going to be that complicated but i do have to like get it off of a recorder and stuff and save us I've never from done the that before save us yeah. from terminator i have to to fight a robot to get that episode of the podcast but it will be cool whenever i get it and right. then we'll put that up and otherwise i like kittens <laughs> All right, well, um, so here's the thing. Um, Okay, so this podcast episode, we are going to kind of do a mix of divination and um, just answering questions that are theoretical in nature or practical. Um, Actually, I think they're mostly practical. Um, But anyways, uh, we don't have that many questions to answer, and I would like to formally request that everyone listening to the podcast please send in a topic that you would like us to discuss as part of the podcast. I have a ridiculous list that is a mile long, but a lot of these things on my list are things that are like, 
Well, I mean, we could talk about that at some point, but we can't really spin a whole podcast episode out of it. So we might end up with some of these cute little short and sweet episodes where we just briefly touch on certain topics and just talk about our salt about them or give a tip or two and then move on. Yeah, and also, while we're here, um, I would be curious from the audience just kind of what you think, like if you have any suggestions, if there's like any, like basically any feedback that you have, like now's a good time because like um, I had to deal a lot with uh, mental illness the last few months, so I haven't really been able to think with my brain. Yes. Um, but now that's resolving and I get my brain back, and so now I'd really like to think about that. <laughs> Mostly he's been doing his thinking with a calculator and a piece of moldy cheese. So, uh, let's move on. Anyways, um, so we're going to go... a very smart moldy cheese. Very smart moldy cheese. Very, like, very sharp. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's very sharp cheddar. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so, the first question that we are going to answer comes from Boxed In Witch. And they say... Loving your podcast. Got a question for you guys. I currently live with my girlfriend who, while she initially encouraged me to explore witchcraft slash spirit stuff, now doesn't seem as supportive, though she says she's still totally fine with it when I talk to her about it. The vibe in our apartment has changed, and I'm getting the sense that several spirits that I work with don't feel like they're welcome in my home anymore because of her. What can I do about the situation? All right, so the divination method that we are going to employ before we go any further is we're using the divination method that we learned as newbies. So Felix is using his very first deck ever. Yes, I am using, and this is the legend that never happens. It's the tarot deck that was used and is a Rider Waite Smith and my mother gave me. Um, and was like bought for exactly the price that was you know there or whatever so it's like perfect um, it's a perfect and i didn't deck. ask for it she just gave it to me and it was like you know whenever i was like 14 so it was like during a like transition time and like yeah so and i'm the first person to tell everybody that that's not always how it happens <laughs> right um for me i'm going to be reading with the robin wood tarot which was the very first deck that ever really taught me how to do magic and how to learn it and, and stuff so that's going to be the deck that i'm reading with however before we go into divination let's go ahead and just give our personal answers on this particular question felix what do you think about the situation with boxed in witch uh god um so <sighs> having been in similar situations i usually um <laughs> the seconds count down. Often the spirits have a good idea of what to do. Um, right, that's true. You literally have spirits that you talk to about all of this. Yeah, and so they're going to have a very important perspective. I mean, if they don't lie to you, then they're not going to lie to you about what's going on here. Right. Um, otherwise, like, make sure that you are reaching out to the people in your life that you know um, and so that you're kind of keeping a stable grip on what reality is there you go um because once you've got like one person who kind of has their mindset about how things are then you find that you're kind of constantly keeping up a mindset to sort of deal with it right um and you really need to be in touch with like just not that (laughs) all right then 
anymore? Yeah. Uh, that's my that's my own advice. Cool. I haven't asked any cards okay, yet. Okay, well, go ahead and, and shuffle if you need to. I'm going to give my input on this particular subject. All right, so I teach my students that this is actually something that happens to most witches. Witches often find that they are challenged by their environment. Specifically, they are pushed around whenever they decide to make a decision, and then they have to kind of get mean about it. They have to get strong, and they have to kind of turn and look at the world and be like, you don't boss me around. You broke my car, I'll take an Uber. You know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. But there's always one moment in a witch's early beginnings wherein the craft is threatened where they have to decide is it worth it even dealing with all the drama if i'm like if it's going to be consistent and constant should i even practice this anymore should i even do this anymore like do i pick my girlfriend in this case or witchcraft i'm going to tell you something picking your girlfriend is not actually going to be doing anything good and you're not actually picking witchcraft this is all bullshit it's an illusion what you need to do is pick yourself i'm going to tell you that if you feel like the vibe in your apartment has changed then do some sort of a cleanse the fuck out of it um and don't explain stop explaining your witchcraft and just do it when you feel like she's not supportive even though she says she is oh well it doesn't matter whether she's supportive or not because your witchcraft is about you so start practicing when your spirits say i don't feel like i'm welcome anymore forcibly make it make that space something that they can be welcome in and when your girlfriend says why did you move the coffee table look at her and say because the spirits like it better over there and when she says why well, moving it back look at her and say if you move it that will be the last thing you touch in this apartment seriously i know that it doesn't sound nice and i know that everybody who listens to this podcast knows that i'm an asshole um i am bitchy to people but choose your own will and be brave enough to deal with the consequences of that it is crucial to the practice of witchcraft if you cannot do this then you have no business practicing witchcraft at all because it will hurt you if you aren't brave enough to accept the consequences head-on that's the reason this test comes up so that's my advice to you without the divination now let's see if the cards agree because they may not Felix, do you have an oracle to share? I actually put down cards as you spoke. Oh, good. Um, and what they ended up doing was basically being the same things that you were saying. Because <laughs> that's what happens when I put down cards as uh, someone like you speaks. Oh, so. that's nice of you. See, this is, this is proof that I'm always right. But I do want to draw <laughs> a card on um, what's the best stance to take. There you go. Um, hmm. The Six of Swords. Ah. The Seeking card. Yes. Um, and I'm moving on. Mm. Um. Well, I mean... Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> the this, the the Rider Waite Smith Six of Cards is or Six of Swords is very emphatically like you know backs turned. We're going away now. Bye. Um. It is definitely like you're going to have to like seek something on your own now this is a boat with people in yes um so i guess whether or not she comes along is going to be 
her choice. See, I agree with Rune on like the approach of just going in and doing what it is you do without explaining yourself. Um, I I understand the struggle of explaining yourself as you're doing weird shit that's witchy, because I'm doing all that that all the time. But at work, I explain nothing, and I've gotten away with everything. Well, there you go. See, silence is a witch's weapon. So, so um, yeah. There you go. Is that all you drew? The Six of Swords is... Um, it very much wants you to take the Six Swords and learn from them. Okay. Instead of just moving on and dumping everything. There you go. So, anything there more? There you are. Is that it? That is it. Okay, cool. So, I got the Five of Pentacles inverted, showing that there is pride involved in all of this. The misery between the two of you involves silence and pride. So, I am going to go ahead and tell you that some of this can be avoided by coming in out of the cold. Whether it is you out in the cold or her. Um... I also have the Three of Swords and the Eight of Swords showing that emotion and pain and regret and feelings of betrayal are very involved in all of this, but that you see them as a trap when in fact they are your freedom. Face the emotions and liberate yourself, which literally just goes on with what I was saying earlier. The whole point of that moment of fear and the facing of that challenge is to free yourself. So I think I read that pretty well. Right. Yep. Okay, so let's go ahead and go to the next one. Felix, this one's yours. That's right. Come to the haunted woods in the next 20 minutes if you want an ass kicking. <laughs> Asks. There's a lot of information on how to do protective spells, but how do I know if they work? Do I summon some spirits to kick my ass to see if my shield works? By the way, love your show. I'm glad that you loved the show. And you're asking about how to do protective spells, but not just how to do them, but how to test them. Yeah, how do, how do you know if your ward worked is a good question. Well, and you know, um, the problem with a lot of early magic, especially the smaller magics, is you only know when they don't work. So there are a lot of ways you can test this stuff. This is the reason why a lot of witches and you know sorcerers and stuff develop relationships with spirits like patrons and familiars you also can build some things to give an indicator of whether they're working right like put a sign or a symbol or something into them yeah like as a sign that have a spell thing fall working. if it stops working right as you know like build it into an amulet if the amulet breaks it isn't working anymore um the problem is that's not really going to make you feel certain about the stuff it's not going to make sure that you believe in it which by the way doesn't matter um if that's you, true yeah yeah your belief is but th those are things you can do, do yes your belief is only relevant in that it helps you pave the way to make dreams come true that is the only thing it does it doesn't make anything more powerful. It just makes you braver to try it. Anyway, um, so here's my suggestion. Get a buddy. Find someone to practice with and have them test it for you. But since we're talking protective spells, if you cast a spell and you're using mostly your own power and your intuition and your emotions and stuff to cast this, and you cast this protection spell, and in your mind and heart you want someone to test it, so that you can feel what it feels like when it breaks, you're building a flaw into your spell. So what I'm going to suggest you do is talk to a friend and tell them, all right, so 
do this for me. Test my spell, but don't tell me when it's coming. I'm just going to do my best to keep you out. And then build your spell with a sense that the success story will be if you go a week and nothing has happened to you. And they are required to test you on regular periods around, you know, during that week. That's the goal. And then you'll know if it's working or not. Or at least you'll have some more evidence than you did before. Uh, you could also get a spirit to help you with that same thing. Felix and I both yeah. have that. If you, if you have a relationship with a spirit to the degree that you believe that spirit will be able to do this to the degree that your friend could. Right, if you trust Because I, I do. Sure. Yeah, like there are lots of people who, who have like a, a relationship with a spirit to the point where they're like, yeah, I, he's totally solid. He's definitely going to like hammer my shield with fire magic or something. Ugh. <laughs> but like I know right <laughs> let's all take a moment right um but like you know that is definitely an option yeah I, I just like the fact that you asked can I test my shields and my wards because the answer is yes and the answer is that you should yes don't ever just take anything on faith in the craft and another way that you can test things um is um you can actually build up um you can just do theoretical tests in your head to um, to think out what sort of things you really should be worried about, um, and so you basically just start, and then you start like writing these out. Um, this is sort of a trick that I learned from programming. This is how you start like writing tests for whether your programming's working. Um, you ask basic questions like, "Can I put stuff in the shopping cart?" Um, does the ward keep out animals? Does the ward keep out spirits? Does the ward keep out humans? Well, and there's so much to learn about this. Like, literally, I find that the best way to learn any practical magic has to do with um, engaging in group study. Like, all of the best training and learning that I've ever had has been at the hands of hanging out with some rather dubious characters who I used to have a coven with who were fond of things like like spontaneously sneaking into your work and flinging leaven bolts at your head while you're working. That kind of stuff. It was actually really good training. It was really codependent and really ugly and really horrible, and I had to walk away from them eventually. But It sounds kind of like the college dormitory that I sort of went to high school in. Yes! And so that's a really a good way to learn things, even if it's not really a great way to learn things. You do learn. We can't always depend on an immersion experience like that. Exactly. So lots of different options, and hopefully the ones that we have suggested help you. I don't think this Yeah, and when you, when you do actually have, like, other people, like, you tell other people what you're doing, they can ask questions like, does it keep out animals, too? Right. Now let, They can help you think up those questions. Let me see if the cards have anything in particular they want to suggest. All right, let's see here. Ace of Swords. Oh, you need... Okay. Uh, they actually gave me a key for you. All right, so here you go. You need to create a weapon by which you can create this spell so that you have strength in it. Um, your weapon is something that terrifies you or wounds you or damages you that you can take up as strength instead. Um... Specifically, they say something about fear of death and initiating into it, and that will allow you to call upon it as a ward. Which means that actually your protection spells are probably a little weak normally. Just so you know. Okay, so that's what they have to tell you. Hey, thanks, guys. I want to put down at least one. Yeah, go ahead. 
Um, the sun. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> All right then. Like, oh, and by the way, just really congratulations on asking a good question. Yes, that was a really great question. Thank you for sending it. All right, so are we ready to move on to the next one? Yes. All right. Um, the next question, who they didn't send us a name, so I'm entitling them gender nonspecific Dorothy Gale. And here's why. Hey, folks, I love the show as always. I am a self identified eclectic witch living in Kansas. Har har. Um, at the moment, I will be moving and in between semi permanent residence for the next two months. I will only have one tarot deck to practice all of my craft with while all of my other tools are away. Would love your take on this and maybe some advice, tips, or creative ideas sent my way for ways I can still use tarot to enrich my craft and life in the most minimal way I've yet to experience. Thanks. Okay, I just realized as you were reading this question what my frustration with it is. Oh. This sounds like fun to me. Right. So have fun okay (laughs) all right (laughs) like i don't want to start with i just wanted to start with that like you know this does not sound like a limitation to me per se right well i have a difficulty with witches um asking about how to practice their craft here's the thing like your first tools are your hands your breath and your eyes and your feelings so just use those pick up a stick on the ground and turn it into a wand use your wooden spoon of dominion as they did in the weird sisters in terry pratchett you know uh use laundry flakes of compelling i don't know whatever works for you (laughs) yeah and like there's there's also like another thing that i wanted to say um so as for how i approach this in my own practice um Whenever I travel, I don't have to take all of my altar with me. I don't have to take my athame. Um, my athame is kind of a joke. Um, I don't have to take any of my wands, any of that. Um, don't even have to take an altar cloth. I just take a travel chest set. Um, I have a couple of things inside the travel chest set that, um, you know, are a little bit extra, in, in, like in addition to chess pieces, because I can fit like little pieces of art or. You know, a book of matches or whatever in there um right. so if you want to have incense or whatever you can you can easily stash that somewhere but basically um i have a system using chess in which i can do magic i can cast many useful spells especially for travel um i can work with the spirits who look over my life and do a whole bunch of other shit um and just generally like kick a bunch of ass so do that and rune can give you some information on doing that well yeah because i wrote a book on it but it's specifically sorcery so here's the thing where casting spells are concerned and doing magic and enriching your practice and so on and so forth all right uh you have one tarot deck read the tarot constantly um also go buy my book if you haven't already which i think you probably have because i I recognize your name Nothing but a pack of cards. Yes, nothing but a pack of cards by me, Esther Emerson. Um, anyways, and you can find it on Amazon. Um, anyways, uh, so there's that. There's a way in the book to do a magic circle to seal all of your ritual tools, the sword, the wand, the cup, the coin, and so on and so forth, to the tarot deck itself so that you have them as access within the deck. The thing is, though, if you're practicing witchcraft, that's sorcery, so that can help you with your practice and can be really fun. Literally, I love my book. It's great. But for witchcraft, 
I don't know if the reason you're asking about tools is because you rely upon a lot of things like herbs or stones. If you're doing herbs, go wild crafting. Learn your environment and learn what kind of herbs they have there and find out what they represent and how they work. Um, like when you pass by that particular lilac bush, is it there because there, like, it's a kind of a beacon point between this world and the dead? Because um, that will be a power it has in, in, in the plant along with its natural powers for what it's for. Um, and there you don't even really need to have a tarot deck to interface with anything. You just go work with plants. Although I have had a lot of success using my tarot deck to guide me around town to find power spots and various places of interest. So you might try doing that. Um, the other possible options with that, like um, if you're looking to conjure just using your tarot deck, well, conjuring in this manner, um, doing that kind of thing is a sorcerer's practice. So connect to the deck. Connect to the deck, learn to associate mantras with it, learn to associate a magic circle with it, etc. There's one in my book. If you have a better one, feel free to use yours that works as well but connect with the cards and the major arcana are primarily the ones that you want to look for in terms of creating a magic space a magic circle the minor arcana are actually tools and spells and familiars and things so that would be what i would say to you on that okay um and if you're looking for spells to cast and you're like i only have tarot decks um, the entire section of my book on the Book of Counted Images, the entire section in there is spells you can cast just by having a tarot deck. You don't need anything else. You don't even have to do the rituals in the book if you're a witch. Yeah, and there's like there's so much magic you can learn from a tarot deck. Um, oh, yeah. And like this is a really good time to try out one specific deck and really learn, like really get to know it. Yeah, that's like a... This, this could be a... Go ahead. No, literally, I was just going to say, that's a good reason why Felix was like, this sounds fun. Have yeah. fun with it. Yeah, seriously, it sounds like it'll be a blast. Make friends. Mm -hmm. <sighs> friendship we is We really magic. like tarot. We do, and friendship <laughs> is magic. Um, anyways, uh, okay, well, that was all of our questions. Do we have anything else? Um... I don't think we do. Gorsh. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. All like, right. um, welcome to being a good newbie. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the occult community. Yes. The stairways move. Please turn to page 394. Um, anyways, so that wraps us up. Uh, thanks, as always, to Sharon Knight and Winter for the intro and outro music. Um, you can find their music at SharonKnight.net. That's Sharon. S H A R O N Knight K N I G H T dot net. Um, their music is perfect, and you should listen to all of it. All right, that's pretty much us. Felix, sing us out. <laughs> There's a bustle in your hedgerow. <laughs> Don't be alarmed now. <laughs> you know, and I love that you told me that that actually references like like hedge hopping and and fairy magic. That is actually really cool. It's just a spring clean for the May Queen. <laughs> All right. Ciao.